Hi, this is CK Love, and you're listening to Midlife on Fire podcast. Today, I have a guest, and um, it's Susan McNabb. Welcome, Susan. Can you, you just, you're welcome. Can you, thank you for being here. And can you describe who you are to, for us? I am an author and I'm 63 years old. I grew up in North Carolina and I spent uh, 29 years in front of the camera as a model and a mostly commercial actor. I lived in Hollywood for most of that time for 27 years. And at 49, I started writing. I retired. I, first of all, I should back up and say I got married at 44. That's when my life really changed. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I started writing and I um, retired from acting and moved from Los Angeles to a little tiny town in North Carolina of 1700 people, which yeah. really was a big change. <laughs> and, and now I'm a writer. I live in Phoenix now. And that's all I do is I, um, I write books and I publish books and have a great well, time. You, you publish your ninth just just last week, I just published my ninth book. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable, considering I was kind of a late bloomer in, in that field. So that but is... I'm, um, I'm enthusiastic, if nothing else. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I do. So, so the name of your book that you just published is? It's For Nipple Sam. <laughs> and I, it's... Looked, I looked at that on Facebook, and I just went, okay <laughs> it's um it's a romantic comedy that takes place in hollywood and um it's about a model who dates a comedian who um ends up falling in love with the screenwriter and it's really funny and silly the, the title is also the title of a sitcom within the story that's why the funny title okay okay um you know back to what you were talking about back to what you're talking about about your enthusiasm and your commitments to writing I see you posting those writing prompts all the time do you want to yes. go into that a little bit because that is really sure. fascinating to me because you do sure. it every single day and I and am obsessed <laughs> you're kind you're it's a nice way to tell me that I'm obsessed uh, <laughs> no I'm enthusiastic about writing in general and part of um part of that is I love to encourage new writers and also people that are struggling with their writing and just want a little help, a little push, maybe once in a while. And that's uh, because I started so late myself. I'm always, um, you know, it's like I found the window to this locked room. <laughs> I want everybody else to see, oh, look, here's the window. Come and join me and let's, let's write. It's really fun. So um, I do a lot of um, sharing on Facebook and Instagram. I just started doing TikTok recently, which is like crazy. But um, I try to do a lot of uh, social media posting, not just about my own writing, but also to encourage other writers and, and women in particular to write about their lives and their loves and hates and whatever they want to write about. Yeah, no, that's great. That is really great because um, um, that's what, you know, Midlife on Fire is about. So it, it's great to have you in the circle of the glow yeah. Yes, oh, I love being in this circle. <laughs> it was a perfect fit for me when I found out about it. I was like, "Yeah, I want to. I want to be in there." Yeah, and I am. Yeah, and you are, and 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 I love it. And um, so so, how about uh, we talk a little bit more about what what went on before you became a writer? Just like get into sort of some of that nitty gritty of 
Okay. Your Actually, you know what? I, I have my, my memoir here. I just happen to have. <laughs> it's called <laughs> The Opposite of Famous, and it's about my life in Hollywood. If you don't mind, I could just read a little um, the introduction just to give you a little bit of a background of what I did. Okay, great. So here we go. This is the introduction of The Opposite of Famous. It's a true story. And when I, by the way, I should mention when I write um, nonfiction, I'm Susan McNabb. And when I write fiction, I'm Suki McMinn. So if you see a book of mine and it's not Susan, that means it's made up, but this one is true. <laughs> it's called The Opposite of Famous. At 51, I moved back to North Carolina after an unusually long career in Hollywood. I'd found success as a fashion model and a commercial actor, shot with famous photographers, strutted down the runways of big designers, and wiggled to the beat in some of the hottest music videos. I'd also worked on countless sets as an extra, a makeup artist, a wardrobe assistant, an assistant director, a stand-in, a photo double, doing almost any job anyone asked me to do. These jobs aren't sexy, but they pave a path to success for many, especially if you equate success with an interesting life. I spent a lot of my time in LA dismissing my not so glamorous work, quietly socking away the money and union pension credits, grateful for the jobs despite their lack of prestige. But sometimes it's those jobs that make us who we are in the end and maybe even define us more than our shining moments in the spotlight. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not everyone talks about them, but now I do. When I first arrived in the tiny North Carolina town of Tryon, just down the mountain from Asheville where I grew up, I had a hard time explaining who I'd been in LA. If I told people I was an actor, their eyes would get big and they'd ask, what have you been in? Have I seen you in anything? The honest answer was that I'd been in thousands of things, but they probably hadn't seen me in anything. If I was with Sarah, my oldest friend, She'd tell people I was Gina Davis's butt double, and I actually loved that answer, but it didn't explain how much, it didn't explain much, and only drew attention to the fact that my butt was now much bigger. When one new friend sweetly gushed to a room full of people that I was famous, I quickly corrected her and said, no, I'm the opposite of famous. It got a laugh, but it was true. Another friend asked why I kept at it when I didn't become famous. I would have done a spit take had I had anything in my mouth to spit out. It was such a funny question. But then I realized she genuinely wanted to know. Here's the secret. No one works for decades in Hollywood for fame and fortune. We do it because we love it. And we know what a privilege it is every single time we earn a paycheck, no matter the size. Did I get rich? No. But I bought a beautiful home. Did I find fame? No. But my boyfriend did. And I got to ride along on that crazy road for a while. Did I have fun? More than I ever imagined I could when I drove out to LA with little more than a dream and a pretty face. I met all kinds of people, fell in love with a young Jerry Seinfeld, crisscrossed the country as Elvira's sidekick, booked glamorous jobs and horrible ones, found deep friendships, shallow romances, heartbreak and joy. It was an unexpected life, a life of bumps and beauty and tears and shooting stars. And in the end, it was a damn good good life. Here's the story. Wow. So that's yeah. what I did before. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a lot of uh, different um, sort of, you know, your hands are in a lot of different things and and um, and just, you know, the opportunity to, to be in that milieu, whatever it is, you know, whatever that famous milieu is. and 
and how that feels. I mean, it feels like dreams, right? That's what it feels like. Oh, it is. It is absolutely. You're chasing a dream. And it's one that that most people um, won't chase. And um, <laughs> they might be smart not to. Yeah. But it's um, but it's something, you know, if you feel compelled to, um, to, to be an artist in particular or to to have some kind of a, a life like that that's not really normal then you have to do it and I that's also something I encourage people to do as well is um, if you want to be an actor if you want to be an artist musician ballet dancer you know you name it I always tell people to go for it even though the odds are against success right. but um, like I just said, said in my book it's like you don't have to be uh, you don't have to become rich and famous to be a success if it's what you love to do, then that will fulfill your, your life and you don't have to um, measure it with money or fame. Right. And you don't have to, um, you know, be rich and famous to, um, to get something out of what you're doing. Absolutely. You know, to fulfill whatever that, that impetus was in the first place. Yes. You know, and um, so how do you translate it into writing and being in a small town how is that <laughs> it was a bit of, a bit of a change yeah. i um i had started writing before I, I left la i was 49 when i started writing and i had um i had an english degree from when i was in college many years before and i um i'd always wanted to write but i had always been intimidated by really great writers and i was in the midst of a lot of um, successful, talented writers in Los Angeles, Jerry in particular, obviously he wrote a pretty successful TV show. And um, my friend Elvira, Cassandra Peterson, who's also a brilliant woman and also a great writer. And I knew a lot of screenwriters and, you know, just being in that circle of uh, people, I, um, I never felt brave enough to try my own writing. And I, I certainly wouldn't have shared it with anyone and so um, I had sort of set that aside for my whole life and just thought, well, I guess I just, maybe I'll do that someday. You know, it's one of those things. And um, a friend of mine invited me to um, join a women's writing workshop that was free on a Saturday afternoon. And at first I said no, because I didn't want to be a writer. And then I thought, well, it'll be something fun, you know, that I can do with my girlfriend on Saturday. So um, sure, I went. And pretty quickly I was like, okay, I can't come to the writing workshop because I can't stop writing. <laughs> it was just like, like the floodgates opened and I discovered that I absolutely loved it. And I just couldn't wait to, whatever I was doing, I couldn't wait to get home and sit down in front of my computer and write some more. And it was a really um, sort of eye-popping experience and life-changing really. And I started, um, I learned about fan fiction. I had never heard of fan fiction before and I discovered it and realized I can post on here on fanfiction.net and I can be anonymous. So I won't embarrass myself. If it's just horrible. Nobody will know who I am. And, <laughs> and I can just write and, and see what happens. And so that's what I did. And I, um, 70 fan fiction stories later, I, uh, I ended up, um, you know, making a lot of friends on, online on the fan fiction website. And I learned a lot, you know, it was, a great way to put your work in front of real readers and get feedback from people. And most of it was super supportive, you know, cause they're getting free content to read. So they're pretty happy wow. when you're um, posting for them. And, uh, and about the same time this is all happening, my husband and I decided to move away from Los Angeles 
um, back to North Carolina. We're both from Asheville. And uh, so I, we ended up landing in Tryon, which is just south of Asheville. And uh, when people said, well, what do you do? You know, when I would meet people and I would go, uh, I'm a writer because <laughs> you can't, you know, what am I going to say? I'm a commercial actor because there's no commercial acting in Tryon. You know, it's like, I, I have to sort of reinvent myself here. And, and I wanted to work. I just wanted to write. That's all I wanted to do at that point. And I was very fortunate. This is one thing I also tell um, budding writers is if you really want experience, um, pick a small market. You know, my, my mistake in Los Angeles was I was thinking, I live in LA, I should be writing screenplays and trying to get them made into movies. When that's such a crazy, huge goal that um, it, it just, it would just not have been something that I could have managed. But what I could manage was I just moved here. I'm a writer. Do you have any magazines I can write for? Or, you know, can I write for the newspaper? Or is there, is, are there any little jobs I can do here as a writer? And the answer to that is yes, because in small towns, they, they believe you. You're a writer. <laughs> They're like, okay, here's a job. So, um, so I started writing for the local paper and some local magazines and um, which I loved. And I lived there for four years and I started publishing original fiction, uh, got my first novel published right when I got there. And um, again, in a small town, you know, they, they threw me a launch party and, you know, everybody was so supportive and it's a, it's a really neat little town in that they, um, it's, there are a lot of artists and writers there. And so it's very um, supportive of all kinds of arts. And so people were really encouraging and nice to me, just like on fan fiction and kept saying, you know, keep going. We love it. Keep writing. So yeah. I did. And then <laughs> my husband got it. I'm sorry. I want to live there. <laughs> Everybody does. It's like a little paradise. It really is. It's such a beautiful little town, but it's also a, an interesting town because of the arts, you know, that makes it really um, kind of different. And I had never lived anywhere like that before and haven't really found anything else since. Um, I live in Phoenix, Arizona now. My husband got a job that brought us to Phoenix. and uh, But I spend my summers in Tryon when I can. Hmm. And eventually we'll retire back to Tryon full time when he decides to retire, which, you know, that's looking like never, but whatever. So <laughs> but I do try to go and spend as much time there as I can because I do love it. So it, was it sort of a um, fake it till you make it kind of thing? Or was it absolutely. The, like oh, absolutely. <laughs> Did you oh, like yeah. a fraud sometimes? Well, and... you know, my whole life I've been a fraud. I mean, if you are an actor or a model or a director or, you know, fill in the blank, any kind of um, artistic endeavor, you feel like, it, you know, there, there's a reason that we've heard of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And that's because you do feel like an imposter um, at every turn. <laughs> so you just learn to ignore that feeling and just keep marching forward and keep trying. Well, especially because of the rejection too, right? Yes, like, yes. If if there wasn't um, the opportunity for rejection, I think that um, we would have a better time of convincing yes. ourselves that we were writers or actors or... Absolutely. In fact, writer. when I first started writing, I, I knew nothing about the publishing business and I wanted to learn, you know, how, how do you get something published and, you know, how does this business work? Because I really was unfamiliar with it. And I spoke to a, a published author and he started telling me about, you know, you're going to get your feelings hurt. There's a lot of rejection and you just have to learn to have a tough skin. And he said, what do you do now? And I said, I'm an actor. And he went, oh my God, never mind. <laughs> You'll be but, fine. Yeah. 
get that every day. It's fine. <laughs> right. Right. So um, I suppose writing something, do you take a break? I mean, that's, that's, that's a question I would really like to, to know uh, the answer to. Do you no. take a break? <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. It's I, the obsessiveness. Okay. <laughs> it is. It is. It really is. Um, you know, when I first started writing, I really felt like I was having sort of an emotional breakdown. It was such a strange um, experience because I just couldn't get enough of it. It's all I wanted to do. I would wake up in the middle of the night and have an idea and have to run to the computer and write it down. And I would skip meals. I would just like all of a sudden, you know, like my husband would be at work all day and I'd all of a sudden look up and be like, what day is it? You know, did I miss <laughs> a meal? <laughs> I was so obsessed and I've gotten better about balancing my life with my writing, but, um, but I can't, I can't honestly think of a time when I said to myself, I think I'll take a break. And if I did, I probably had a story idea five minutes later and didn't take that break. <laughs> so. <laughs> so how does your midlife kind of inform all this for you? Well, it's, it's, you know, it, being an older woman, I got to tell you, it's for all you young girls out there, <laughs> you are going to love it. <laughs> it, yeah. gives you, it. It really gives you um, such a sense of yourself mm. and gives you the courage to, uh, to do things that you never thought that you would do, like become a writer at, in the middle of your life or leave a profession behind that you've done for three decades and go live in some crazy little town. I mean, it really um, just makes you brave, you know, and it makes you um, want to be more yourself, which is kind of a strange way to phrase it, but you, you sort of come into your own, I think, when you, when you hit the middle of your life. I don't know if it's the same for men, I hope it is, but I certainly see it in all of my, my women friends. Yeah. So coming into your own, how did that show up for you? Like, what were you, what do you think you were? Like my, my sort of guess would be that, you know, we're, we're kind of brought up with sort of ideas of who we're supposed to be in this patriarchal society. And then, and then all of a sudden I know what happened to me when I hit midlife. So is it, so what, would you say you were like before and what is that kind of I was well I was definitely um so much of my personal life was um looking for a husband you know mm -hmm. I wanted a family I wanted a marriage and um I didn't find it when as a young woman and I I put a lot of my effort into my relationship with Jerry we were together for eight years not eight solid years <laughs> We broke up a lot and then we'd get back together. It was a very rocky relationship, but it was the one that I wanted. And so I just thought, well, this is, it's going to have to end in marriage, right? You know, we're going to get married. We're going to have a family. It's going to be great. That didn't happen. And, um, and so I just kept searching and thinking, you know, he's got to be out there. And then I finally decided, you know what? He's not out there <laughs> and I'm just going to have to be satisfied with that. And, and I'm just going to have to build the life that I want for myself, not the life that I would have hoped for with a partner and a family. And as soon as I made that decision, well, I don't know if it was a decision. It was just sort of a natural revelation, maybe. Um, then 
I stopped. <laughs> I almost said a bad word. I stopped giving a hoot. How about that? And uh, <laughs> I think you could say bad words. Okay. Um, and I, I just check the box off that says explicit. <laughs> I'll just do a whole list of them and we'll get that out of the way. Um, I just, I stopped caring so much about pleasing men and pleasing um, society, I guess, and pleasing my family um, and decided just to please myself. And at that point, um, I accepted that I would not get married and was perfectly fine with it for the first time. And then I met my husband. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's how that goes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that's wonderful I mean that's, yeah that's so it great. is wonderful and I didn't you know the part of what um what felt so good about that relationship when it was starting is I didn't need it I had always needed a boyfriend and when I realized I didn't need him I was fine if I didn't have him or anyone then um it took a lot of the pressure off you know and it was just um fun and happy and worked out great we ended up we got married really quickly we went to high school together but um did not um have any kind of uh you know connection for 28 years and then he started emailing me and so it was really even though i sort of knew him you know i hadn't seen him since i was 16 years old so i didn't really know him but we sort of were from the same tribe we were from the same high school and had a lot of mutual friends which i think um helped the relationship move along quicker than normal but uh, but anyway we decided to get married really right away and it was a um a quick romance and it's been a long marriage so uh, and a successful one that's great that's really great and um and i suppose uh um yeah i mean midlife just kind of opens things up doesn't it it does you, you let go of you let go of things that you were holding on to as a younger person, I think. And in a lot of ways that frees you. And it gives, you have the confidence. I mean, somehow there's, there's, um, there's this confidence that wasn't there when you were younger. Yes. That you've got something going on. Yes. And you, you stop worrying about things like, you know, your waistline <laughs> <laughs> and your hair color and, the length of your nails and you know it's like a lot of those things aren't as important when you're older and it, I guess it's just the way nature sort of works is as you lose your beauty that kind of youthful beauty you also learn that it isn't important to have it which is great <laughs> right and, and I think it's because you get a sense of of your strength and, um, and um, I mean, wisdom um, that you gain as you get older and, and, and that you get a more, a clearer sense of yourself. Yes, I think that so. That isn't just mirror, you know. Yes, yes. And, um, and while, you know, I'm still coloring my hair. <laughs> oh, that's I mean, great. I know I'm know, not saying don't color your hair. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing is that you could do whatever you want. You get to choose. Yes. You get to choose. You can color whatever color you want or not at all or shave it all off. And, and wear whatever you. you want. That's I love, right. I love the idea that as we get older that we could wear whatever the fuck we want and it's fine. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's we part of the freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, um, it's a great place to be in your life, I think, 
you know, of course I don't have a choice. This is where I am. <laughs> yeah. But I'm I mean, glad I'm a, here. That's the thing, right? Is that you, yeah. And, and we're here and, and, and we don't have a choice. So it's the embracing as well as being able to embrace whatever comes your way and, and, and know that that's fine and all good. Yes. And you stop fighting the, um, the pressure that I think a lot of people put on themselves and society puts on us and that, you know, you have to look a certain way and act a certain way. And, and you're, you've been so used to doing that your whole life that it's hard to shed that. But at some point, and I don't know, I can't really put my finger on when it happens, but that starts to change. And, and you don't have to please everybody. You don't have to please men or women or whatever it is that you are trying to please. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you were like really in the thick of it because you were a model and, and an actor and, and you were trying to keep up with the beauty standards and the, um, the youth that was coming up from behind. And, and, um, yes. and so, and so was it, was it, was that an easy transition for you or was there like actually, points actually of looking in the mirror and saying, uh, you know, what happened to me, which was an unusual transition, but a really lucky one. Uh, I grayed prematurely. I colored my hair since I was 19. Well, I started graying when I was 19. I started coloring it at 23 when I started modeling and I was a brunette, you know, my entire career. And then, um, I got so tired of coloring it. <laughs> as you can imagine, I had like a dark brown hair with like a skunk, you know, stripe down the middle of my uh, part. And um, I made a really difficult decision when I was 38 to stop coloring my hair. And my agents all said, don't do it. You're going to lose work. It's, you know, too big of a change. No, at that time, there were no women in Hollywood with gray hair. It just wasn't done. Yeah. And people, you know, my agent said, people are going to think you're old. And I said, I don't care how old they think I am. I just want to work, you know, and I feel like I'm sort of in a rut here at, at 38. I'm sitting in a, a room full of, you know, 30 something brunette women that all look like me and I don't have any advantage and I'm really sort of struggling. And I, as you age into a different category, you go from like the, the babe to the young mom to the businesswoman. And every time there's that transition, it's, it's a struggle. And so I, against all advice from everyone in my personal life and my professional life, I went gray. I stopped coloring my hair. I chopped it all off and it grew in this beautiful silver color. And my agent dropped me. I lost all my clients. <laughs> I was just like, what am I doing? How am I going to work? You know, and I had one phone call from, um, I sent out postcards. I had two headshots and sent postcards out to casting directors and agents and trying to get started again. And one woman, a casting woman called me and left a message on my machine. And she said, I know what you've done is a really hard thing to do, but you've made the right decision and I'm going to book you. Wow. And I started crying. I was like, oh my gosh, one mm -hmm. person one person said something nice after some, my boyfriend broke up with me because he said, I look too old for him. You know, so it was yeah. like, my life was falling apart, but this one casting person gave me a chance. And the last probably, you know, decade or so of my career, I only worked because I had gray hair. It booked every single job for me. And I became the woman with gray hair. You know, anytime you wanted a woman with gray hair, boy, I was there because there was nobody else. 
And by the time I left Hollywood, I had several other friends who were going gray. And then when I moved away, um, one of the agents there said, who, who's going to get a wig and take Susan's jobs? Because <laughs> <laughs> we have jobs for a gray haired woman and Susan's leaving. And sure enough, some of my friends got wigs. Some of them went gray. Wow. And now it's pretty common. It is. You know, there are now supermodels that have gray hair and it's considered beautiful. Great but when I started, yeah, gray power. But when I started, it was very risky and it was, um, but it was also for me personally, I think it helped me transition into that midlife confidence mm, because yeah. then I really didn't give a hoot, you know, because this is yeah. who I am now. And if you want to book me, this is, this is what you get. You know, at first I, I offered to bring a wig if somebody didn't like my hair, but pretty quickly I decided, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. If they can either book me as a, as a gray haired woman or not at all. And fortunately they did. And so it worked out great for, you know, and my favorite could have gone so easily could have gone the other way, but I was very fortunate that that one woman gave me the confidence to keep going. And I, I didn't color it again. I've never colored it again. I'm not saying every woman should go gray. I'm yeah, not, no, I'm no. saying every woman yeah. should be, should have the choice, choice to do what she wants to do. Yes. We're always, we're always talking about as women, we're always talking about choice. Yes. And being able to express ourselves the way that we feel necessary in order to live the life we want to live. Yes. You know, to be yourself. It's so yes. important. And I think that's what yeah. makes, um, you know, middle-aged women in particular, that's what makes us brave and different and yeah, ourselves. Leaders. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So thank they, you. They start podcasts. <laughs> They do. They, they do. write books. <laughs> they do. Yes, they do. Yeah, we're out there. We're doing stuff, and and um and I love talking to you, and I love um, I love hearing um just you talk about this, and 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 just how inspiring it is, um, because of knowing that knowing how we go through stuff and then just hearing you just kind of unfold this story about acceptance and about struggle and about just redirection and, and that it's scary. And I'm pretty sure that it was pretty scary at times more than other times. Um, but here we are, you know, yeah. we survived yeah. those moments and we survived those thresholds and, um, and, and, you know, we're here to kind of, and you're here speaking about it just to say, yeah. Yeah, it's okay to be yourself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I encourage it. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's lovely. <laughs> so uh, where can um, my audience, our audience, um, find you if they're looking for a book or if they're looking for just to? Um, well, I have. I have two personas now that I have two yes. names. Um, my nonfiction uh, website is susanmcnab.com and my fiction website is sukimcmin.com. But um, you can find me at either one and I, I cross promote all the time. It's not like my pen name is a secret. Don't even ask me why I have a pen name, but that's a whole other podcast. Right. But, <laughs> you okay, can let find me put me that in the books. <laughs> Maybe that's a new book. No. <laughs> Right. So, uh, so yeah, you can find me at either place and I'm all over social media, Facebook, TikTok, 
Twitter, Instagram as both Susan McNabb and Suki McMinn. Okay, great. I'm easy to find. Yeah. And like, uh, um, you know, like I, I, I say to other people is that I encourage you to come back and talk about the, the choice to do to be Suki and um, thank you. And anything to. else. Yeah. Anything else that you want to talk about because you know, Midlife is a journey. It's not just a point in a in a timeline, and then that's it. So it's like no, 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 no. We are moving we forward going. into this, <laughs> you know, broader, expansive um, understanding of who we are and what we do, and how we present and show up in the world. And and I loved talking to you. Thank you so much, Susan. Well, thank you. I love being here. That was so so great of you to invite me. I really appreciate it. Great. So uh, I had so much fun talking with Susan McNabb and and or, or Suki, and I um I, I just think that there's there's this kind of sweetness to Susan and and not sweetness like you know cute or adorable although she is very adorable, um but more sort of like the flavor of life that that there's no bitterness that that you know, whatever life had to throw at her. I mean, she lived, she lived, lived her early year, early adulthood with such vigor and vitality and, and get up and go and, um, and, and kind of, um, you know, an obsessiveness that she now brings into her writing and she, she lives with the same vigor. I mean, I don't know if it's changed for her and, and, you know, maybe midlife at some point was a blip, you know, like it is for, for some of us and maybe all of us that it's, there's a blip and there's a, there's a redirection. Um, but Susan has, um, you know, has, has this, you know, she's, she doesn't seem to have changed from early on to, to midlife, except that she has a deeper sense of who she is. Um, and but her her demeanor or attitude or you know her her um her wanting to live life to the fullest is 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 there you know midlife does it's not a crisis and in susan you know that it's not a crisis it's it's an just a chance to live life more fully more authentically and i love that susan is a very authentic person and I enjoy talking to her. So be like Susan and go out and be a badass. Thanks for listening.